You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Mike Pretz, Kat Kalin, Jason Dickinson, and Brian Colt. This topic was actually a really good topic around continuous improvement, especially because it's one of those things that, that in my personal life or professional life, I should actually say, probably both for that matter, but the professional side of it in management and executive management consulting, it's one of those things I talk a lot about to those leaders. When you start thinking about continuous improvement, whether it's in transactional or manufacturing type of environments, it's it's very important to understand that you have to constantly evaluate the process and make sure that you're looking for uh, the steps that are important to the customer. So you focus on the voice of the customer and the critical to quality, uh, those steps that are most important in that sense. Um, and it's really interesting when you start thinking of it from a personal side, because then you're thinking of it as um, constantly improving yourself and looking introspectively, which is difficult for a lot of people to do, and to challenge themselves uh, for new horizons or doing something outside of their comfort zone. And we've touched on this topic a little bit here and there throughout different podcasts, but this this was a topic that I thought resonated with me very well. Yeah, and on the continuous part or continuous improvement side of things, it's like, what is driving the improvement? Is it like a vision that you have? Um, to start with, but then what are you doing to validate, you know, you taking action towards that vision? And one of the things is like letting data, looking, seeking out data that is driving your vision to then improve in, uh, but also, and, and largely in the military side of things, it's like AARs and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, like having the vision, supporting it through objective fact, and then driving forward in that area. But what kind of made me want to think about this topic is is the balance side of things because right now I'm looking for continuous improvement in business um, and I was on the phone with my sister the other day and she's like you coming back for Thanksgiving and I was like oh like I don't know if I can because I'm charging with the business right now and she's like well you need to prioritize I'm like well I kind of am but um, yeah it's like being in this improvement state in an area you're passionate in, but also being balanced and responsible in every other area of life, you know? It's interesting that you mentioned about the data because that's one of the things also we talk so much about is that when you start to present an idea or present opportunities for improvement, the big thing you want to do is remove the emotion out of it. And and data is one of those things that you can start looking at and it, it does present the facts. It lays out truthfully what's happening that not very many people can argue about unless you pulled of course the data and skewed it in such a way that it starts presenting your uh, or presenting a way in which that it's supporting what you're thinking I should say Uh, which I've known a lot of people that have the ability to go and extract uh, data to to actually show in slides and presentations on an x and y uh, graphic that you know hey this is what's happening and really what they're trying to do is actually support what their theory is. Yeah, I was at the International Breacher Symposium in Memphis from the 5th to 9th of November, and most of the AARs would finish with this time of uh, like an innovative talk of how is the data right now driving our TTPs and the tools we're using on target to better our mission capabilities and our effectiveness. You know, it's it's huge being uh, data-driven in that continuous improvement side of things like you were talking about. So, Brian, with you 
transitioning like out of the military, like you said, I mean, you're, you have a bunch of business endeavors and family I'm sure is pulling you every which way because you're home now, as far as an individual, what, what are your challenges that you're running into with the balance and constantly like growing as an individual without having mother military direct you in the way that you need to go? Yeah, I'd say, you know, knowing that the entrepreneurship is how I am, you know, providing resources, I'm, I'm buying my time and I'm moving towards my goal. But it's also kind of balancing how other people see, you know, they hear, oh, he's getting out of the military. What does that mean? You know, people associate someone being in the military with always being consumed by the job, right? As you said, you know, mother military, not only is paying you, but is taking your time. But I'd almost say now that I'm separated, I'm more obligated to charge towards like, you know, making things happen because it's right now it's like I wake up and I got to do work. And if I don't, then like I, I'm not, I'm going to be moving back into like my parents' basement. (laughs) That's a huge like responsibility. I mean, if you think about it, like, like you said, I mean, you don't have, like you are taking the initiative and you're extremely driven person. You've been dealing, you've been thinking about stuff like things that you want to do after you get out of the military. But a lot of people, they, it's like once they get out, a lot of them haven't planned. And then once they get out, they just get hit by this reality that there's nobody looking out for them except for themselves. And that's something that I, I had a really hard time with when I separated was I had a, I already had a daughter, um, at the time. So going from, you know, doing this high risk, um, high, high tempo mission that was just like, we were trailblazing at the time. I mean, it was the initiative. We were just getting ready to go with it, especially with women entering combat arms. But I mean, I came back and I'm like, I have a, a three-year-old daughter that I have to take care of and everything that I knew is no longer there. So trying to find a new sense of purpose as well as like, like Robert, like you said, like not allowing emotions to take hold of what you need to do to get the job done. And that's what I think a lot of people have a hard time is that they let their own emotions on like things aren't fair. You know, they're not doing this, the cool things like they used to. Um, they have new responsibilities like taking care of children and they have all these dreams and beliefs of things that they wanted to do, but they kind of get overwhelmed. So like you said, actually taking the emotion out of things really makes it a hundred times easier to move forward with your passion. The problem is, is that others don't recognize the scene then maybe see things the way you do. So there's uh, kind of that perception versus reality. And that's where it's really important to, to lay out the facts and try to present them to a way, especially with family, like in your case, you know, Brian, that, you know, you want to kind of help them understand what's going on and what you're trying to do. And the timing is not actually great because you're right here near the holidays at the same time frame, you're trying to ramp up the business. But yet, if you let the business kind of slide for a period of time, then somebody else might come in and take your lunch money. Exactly. But, you know, I I think too, that's where you have to try to find that work-life balance. Um, you know, we've, we've approached this, uh, approached this subject a little bit in the past as well about trying to find that, that point in equilibrium in your life where you can actually maintain your, a lifestyle that you can be comfortable with while at the same time trying to be an entrepreneur and stand up a company. Um, it, it doesn't always work. I can tell you that I, I've gone through that multiple times as an entrepreneur myself. 
and uh, you tend to work longer hours. You tend to put the the family and friends and everything else on the side. But you also have to realize that everything you do uh, that you're that you're kind of paying for and you're doing is going to have a price at some point. It's yeah. going to come back and get you at some point. Um, so if you're out there struggling and working hard trying to climb the corporate ladder or make yourself successful and stuff like that, uh, at some point it'll come back and bite you in the butt. Uh, and I've been there, lived it, and uh, have definitely seen it in others as well. But like you guys both have talked, like I mean, just how effective AARs are within the military and like the mission scope. I think that if we're constantly a doing AARs on our own um, after projects or after encounters or networking experiences, that's only going to give us a perspective on what we need to do better, and then not to really to identify what our weaknesses and strengths are, but not to get so emotionally attached to the weaknesses where we won't don't want to continue. And I think that's where a lot of guys lose themselves because they think like, well, I, I had the, the military guiding me everywhere I needed to go and I'm constantly failing. I mean, it's hard for people to go from the top straight down to the bottom and then go continue to see failure after failure after failure. And it's like, that's where a lot of guys like to give up. But like, I, I hate to say it like this, but becoming so emotionally charged when it comes to things and it, it makes it, a hundred times worse. As I've moved more into the business mindset, I'm tempted to think of everything as either an asset or a liability to the success of the company and the success of what I'm doing. And there's certain categories that you just cannot put into that mindset. And one of those is family. Granted, there will be times that you're going to have to make the call to sacrifice, but that doesn't mean just like always severing that connection. You know, that kind of power base is needed. And, and like my grandpa the other day, uh, he reached out to uh, his nephew who is in construction and told him about my product. And now like we have a phone call set up. It's just like, you know, keeping, keeping the family in the know, keeping them involved in whatever you're doing. Uh, and, and the reason I'm keen on family is because I, whenever someone is unbalanced, that's usually the first place I hear of suffering is yeah. in the home. Yeah, absolutely. Family and friends. And so, you know, when you start thinking of trying to identify or develop your network, sometimes you forget that the network is actually some of those people that are most closest to you uh, because they know you. They know who you are. Um, they, they believe in you. They believe in whatever you're doing. And they're going to be your biggest champion. And so if you forget about them and actually start moving out in a different direction, you might actually do more harm. But, you know, and looking at continuous improvement, too, the first step is recognizing the current state, you know, evaluating things that are currently going on either in your life or in what you're doing or in um, the things that are going on within the workspace or whatever the case may be, and trying to def uh, to determine what would be the ideal state. What would be the thing that you'd want to go to that sometimes is referred to as the future state? So mm -hmm. when you start looking at those things, you start... Of course, trying to get rid of the steps or people or the processes or things that are in the way that are just not really value add. So you start looking at, um, you know, if people are getting in your life and they're kind of dragging you down and they and they're not actually promoting you and stuff, then those are probably the people that you wanna you wanna set aside for the moment and focus on those that are in that inner circle that we've talked about before. Those five or ten people that you can really rely on, you know, and and then same thing goes with. Uh, points within your career. If you're starting to look at things that just don't fit the value add that's going to get you where you want to go, then you have to refocus all the time. And that's why it's called continuous improvement 
because you're constantly analyzing. The book mm-hmm. isn't written. It's just one of these things that you keep writing new chapters, you keep editing, and you keep moving forward. That's something that, like, just listening to you talk about that, it's like you, to have continuous improvement, you have to go out and try. You have to go out and, you know, dip your toes in the water to actually see if it's, like, something that you want to do or if there's a potential in it. And I, like, this past week, like, I had full-blown, like, an aha moment with myself because, like, I haven't been away from my girls since they, I mean, my, my youngest is three years old and I haven't been like gone away from them at all the entire, ever, ever since she was born. So going out and having like given this opportunity to kind of go test things to see if it's something that I'm interested in and, and something that could actually help me grow as a person. I mean, I was pretty enlightened by like going and having intellectual conversation you know, my children were fine. They were safe. I had the support of my family. They know my potential. I was too scared to go out because I'm like, oh, you know, like I gave up everything to be a mother, but, you know, my kids are growing up. So I have to grow up as well and have my own things going for me. But it was a very like enlightening experience because it definitely reminds you of where you come from and the potential that you had. And it, and what's wrong with going out and trying things and then realizing later on, like, yeah, that wasn't the best thing for me. So I'm going to shift gears and do something else. But I don't think you can't have a balance or continuous improvement in life. If you don't have this, like the courage to go out there and actually do something. Robert, I really like what you said about, you know, you have to know where you are first, know how things are to then know kind of where to go and what your end goal is. And I know separating from the military was kind of like the only way I could ever have known where things are to then improve from. Cause I had the, I had been working on this business thing for a little over a year at that point. And it was, it was at the stage where the next step, if I wanted it to be towards improvement, it had to be me just going full up with my autonomy of time and just running with it. And yeah, since I've been able to do that, I make these lists and I'm like, boom, 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 prioritizing, trying to learn how to budget a little bit more. You know, it's like, it's improving along the way, but it's clear how I can get those things done. And I just have the time to do it now. Well, you're learning on the fly. And that's, what's great about having like the military background is like, you take these, these new things that you have learned or like, Oh, like this is something that I've done in the military, but it's translating differently in the civilian side. Like, Oh, now I know where to go with this or, you know, I can take this, these steps instead of A or B, you know what I mean? But that's like, like what you're saying, like you are literally, like you said, you're from the ground running and learning on the fly. Like, okay, this, this is work. This is working. This is not. Well, when you start removing those non-value added steps, though, you've got to make sure that they're truly non-value added at the same token. You've got to vet them seriously enough to realize that there may be repercussions or downstream effects from what you're getting ready to do. So as you start um, putting these things into place, and adding new things or, you know, new training or new skills or those types of things, you've got to think about the downstream's effects, uh, downstream effects of those things as well. Um, so whether you're removing or you're adding, think about what's going to happen from that uh, because that's going to affect that future state, that ideal state that you're looking for as well. That's another huge thing is being in this, this civilian sector now is being able to just say no because, you know, I'm people know that I'm out now and they want to like, you know, try to see if I want to be involved in certain things and saying yes too often is going to dilute the work that you're going to be able to, to do and the quality of it. So now that anybody, once you separate, 
like make sure that the things that you're committing to are in line and, and that you'll you'll be able to like be uh, a solid professional in whatever it is. Yeah, because there's a language on how to say no. You know, yeah. I think that's what that's what a lot of service members that are either in the service. I mean, you can't say no when you're in the service. You just got to do it. You know, it's it's uncommon for people to say no and question the man, which I think is a huge disadvantage to people in the military. And that's a completely different conversation. But being able to tactically put like tell somebody that you can't do it or engage in a way that makes them feel like you're not attacking them is it not only makes you feel better as a person by you know by telling them no but it makes them understand that you're not it's not like anything to do with them and that you're not trying to hurt their feelings because that's I mean I deal with that a lot of times it's like well I'm not gonna be able to do that and it's like well what about me do you not like and it's like well it's not you it's just like my current state and what I'm working on right now yeah so well, a lot of people end up focusing so much on the future state or the ideal state. As a matter of fact, how many people do we all know that sit down and start talking about what they would like to be when they grow up or what they think they want to do? And that constantly evolves each time you talk to them. Um, sometimes it's the same topic and they revised it slightly, or sometimes it's a brand new career or brand new endeavor or something that they're going on. Because the first thing that they've missed along this path is they haven't looked introspectively at their self to find out their current state. What are they doing currently right now that they enjoy doing? What are the things that they are most passionate about? And, and try to hone in on those things and see how that fits what they're thinking they may want to do in the future. I've seen so many people go down the wrong path of life and in careers and thinking that's what they wanted to do because they felt like it matched something that they were good at before. Well, yeah. Just because you're good at something before doesn't necessarily mean that's your purpose or passion. It may mean that you're good at that. But you might want to think a little bit deeper. Take some time to, you know, to really assess, assess yourself. And the best people to talk to about this type of things are those friends and family because they're going to size you up real quick and let you know where you stand. And listen to them because that's a lot like, you know, it's just like your spouse or your like sister, grandfather. I mean, they're the ones that always tell you like, hey, I wouldn't do that if I were you or I would break up with that person if I were you. And you're like, no, I'm attached to it. I love it. Like, this is what I need in my life. But like, and just from like psychology courses that I've taken, it's like those people that are literally like got or at your six, they have your six because they can see from the outside looking in if you're deteriorating or if you're, you know, growing as a person. Yeah. And what I'm hearing and what's in the name of the podcast is just a mentor, right? Um, because if, if it was just me, you know, trying to make these calls, I would, as you were kind of getting at Robert is like, I would make it off things that I've known, you know, and, and possibly just keep like doing U-turns right back into where I was prior. But that, that mentor who is already towards that end state is kind of like redirecting, adding perspective into things to, to make me go introspective, look at my passions, dig into them and invest in those passions will eventually drive me towards what I want as my end state. Well, the other thing we were you know, we're kind of focusing on here is the balanced life. You're not going to have a balanced life unless you're actually trying to find that center, that 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 thing that's kind of grounding you and holds you 
you know, kind of onto the earth, as I would say. You know, it's yeah. the gravity that keeps pulling you. So if you don't realize what that center is and who and who you really are deep down inside, then you might be trying to become something you shouldn't be. So you're focusing on that future state again, and you're chasing something that's a dream of somebody else or who you believe you should become or who you believe others perceive you're not. And so then you're not really focusing on you. Um, and again, I can't say it enough. If you start introspectively and really trying to understand who you are and what your passion and purpose is, um, it starts helping you shape that future that much more and helps you build. And it's again, it's not one of these things that you're going to figure it out all at one time. Nobody has done that. If you see the most successful people, they've failed many times along the way. That's why it's called continuous improvement. And in a balanced life, continuous improvement largely just looks like refining processes everything that's around like where you're charging to and that goal needs to still be a, a part of your life but always be looking about how like cutting the fat on those things and just being clear on how to like maintain what's going on uh for like one of the things for me has just been like bills and stuff back from England because, you know, it's just, it's just difficult to communicate with like the telephone company, all that stuff, but it's, it's time I have to, I have to give into it. So I'm just looking at, okay, like if I just pay it off without even trying to fight, you know, what's going on right now, like just pay off the bill. I'm literally buying my time to continue to focus, uh, on, on the goal here of like being an entrepreneur and that stuff. So you know, when you were talking about a mentor earlier, uh, another thought came to my mind, too, when you start thinking of processes. Sometimes it's, it's really good to, to have somebody that we refer to as a disinterested person. So, in other words, somebody that's not wholeheartedly invested in you and your success, somebody mm -hmm. who really wants to be there to offer some advice or some criticism, and you have to have an open mind to the conversation, naturally. But uh, it And that's difficult for some people, but th this is a person that that doesn't have that vested interest, like a family member or a very close friend, because those people might look at things a little bit differently than someone who doesn't have that same perspective and could offer some real criticism or real advice uh, to whatever you're talking about. Well, and they notice the, the red flags too. So like if you are chasing someone else's dream and you're starting to get resentful and angry and frustrated and your time management goes out the door and all of a sudden you're just you know, you can't handle, there's no balance in your life. A lot of times your close friend who knows you, knows you emotionally, knows you from the worst things that you've done in life to the best things that you've done in life, their advice is probably pretty spot on and what you need to do to fix yourself. Because that's, I mean, you might not understand what's going on with yourself other than you're angry and or pissed off and frustrated and you, you're mad at the person that made you do this. I mean, that's, those are some severe signs of things that are like, hey, maybe I need to take a different direction instead of, um, you know, chasing someone else's passion rather than your own. So I have a question for you married folk. So what, is, what does this look like <laughs> with a spouse? Is it like, you know, let me work towards where we want to be in 10 years and you take, a, you take care of all these other things and that's balance? Or is it like, let's collaborate over everything? And, and I... What I've been told is collaboration might take more time, might be a little more tedious, but it's way better for the relationship. In any type of relationship, and it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, you're going in business with a friend, you're actually in a relationship, you know, like you're talking about with it, you know, marriage or something of that nature. It's a give and take. 
it's always a give and take, and there's got to be balance in that, you know, that's what we're talking about, and that continuous improvement, realizing that not everybody is going to be successful, there's going to be failures, and not hold hold each other to some level of accountability, but not to the point where it causes frustration and causes a divide. That's the worst thing that you can do. I can tell you about my own personal life. I mean, I had a situation early in my military career where uh, I guess I was about 10 years in. I realized that I wanted to go pursue my education but my wife, it was much more important at that time in our lives that she did that herself. And she goes mm-hmm. out and gets an education because the kids were at a right age, uh, just entering school, that she could go out and, and better herself. And so I I didn't have to go get the education right then, but that was something that she wanted. And then, of course, once she got done, I did it. Now, that put a, a bind on parenting for a period of time because we were trading off for a long period. I mean, my degree took a long period of time being in the military doing it whenever I could, weekends, you know, here and there during the week. And so there had to be that give and take. We had to realize that we had to switch roles and we had to do different things uncomfortable than what we weren't used to. And again, that's not anything unlike what you would do in a partnership with a business. It's one of the most Mm -hmm. challenging things to ever go into business, especially with somebody you're close to, like a family member or a close friend. Yeah, there's a lot of sacrifice. Like I, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've learned just by being married to somebody who's in the service. I mean, I just got like, for me, from my own perspective, like I just started this in this new adventure of being able um, to have awesome opportunities to work in um, special mission units. And, and they were handing them out to me like, Hey, why don't you go try out for this? You have the potential to do this. And, and with my husband being in regiment, constantly going out and doing the things that I wanted to, like I had really had, a hard time once, um, once I got back because I knew a, I had a daughter that I had to take care of and that was my main focus. So you do, um, you do make sacrifices, but the biggest thing, like what Robert said, like there is a balance, there's a, a time and place where you may not constantly be on the same page of doing these awesome things. Like I lived vicariously through my husband when he deployed and all the training that he did because that's something that I saw myself doing, but wasn't able to because of the family aspect. And I definitely put my family before um, being a soldier and, and, and wanting to go do those things for me now. I like, like Robert said, like with your wife, like you, your wife waited till you, your children were grown and were in a position to where she could go out and further her education and continue her um, career aspirations where the same situation I'm at now, um, my children are now in school. I'm able to go out and do things that I wanted to, but still kind of in the realm of assisting and being with veterans and, and service members, especially with what I had deployed with before. But no, there is, there's definitely a balance and you, and you have to make sure that open communication and conversation is so important because you, there does come a time where you may not be communicating and you're constantly fostering these ideas and and dreams that you may have had before, but now you're limited because of your current situation, have the conversation, keep the communication open, talk about the things that's bothering you. Don't get defensive. Like, like we said from the beginning, if you can keep emotions out of it and not get defensive about things, it's smooth sailing. Like you just, you, you have to give and take every relationship, business partnership, Mm -hmm. marriage, whatever, family, it's all, I mean, if you can just be honest and open about the things that's going on with your life and not be emotional or blameful, then um, it's a lot easier to deal with things. Yeah, what I, what I see a lot 
and what y'all are talking about is just kind of persistence. You know, if it's if it's not your time to go to school, then you know, so be it. But it will be eventually. You know, you're you're always looking to be persistent in the areas that bring balance, and it's not an overnight. Oh, it's like it's definitely not an overnight thing. Like right now, I'm not content with like the balanced life I have. Granted, it is relatively balanced, but even you know the whole picture of lifestyle itself is continuous improvement towards a more balanced life every day well that's why i say you know it's really challenging as especially yourself brian as an entrepreneur to try to find that work-life balance and for some uh it might be defined differently by the way so you hear that term thrown out there and people use it especially when they're looking to transition to the private sector and looking at jobs and opportunities out there. They want that work-life balance. They've been gone to the field. They've been gone to combat. They've been out away from their spouse, you know, in on uh, whether deployed or on ships or whatever the case may be. They've been away from their loved ones. And so they're trying to strike that balance at work and at home of what they perceive to be the sweet spot, if you will. But what I found is, is that most people, when they start communicating and talking like, you know, Kat was talking about and openly uh, communicating about what that means to one another, you might find that there's a lot more give and take and that um, work-life balance looks much different depending upon who you talk to. So what one person might perceive to be work-life balance over here might strike a different balance over to your right, and yet you might find some place totally different from those yeah. two perspectives. Um, but if you try to, again, go after somebody else's dreams or try to find and tackle their work-life balance – you might not be successful. And you got to take all of like, I mean, yeah, there's the, the relationship and the communication between the two that you're trying to, to work out and make sure everybody's on the same playing field. But you got to realize too, like with what Robert was saying, like people come back from deployments and all of a sudden you have a wrench thrown in your life. Like, oh my gosh, my, my spouse now has PTSD and he's getting out of the military and he's not functional anymore or that he's a double amputee or he, any, you know, any sort of like disability that may happen or maybe, um, a child gets sick or your house burns down or whatever. Like these are things that happen in life that some people like they may be so focused on what they're currently um, working on at that time that they don't have room for life that happens. And then that's when everything starts to go haywire. So just as well as like focusing on your goals and your aspirations and everything that you want to do in life, I think definitely be prepared to adapt to things that change. Um, and that could positively like, or that could impact your whole life plan negatively. But you can't let those things, yeah, yeah, you can't let those things get you down. That's so huge. I mean, I, I love the way you kind of stated that because uh, it's so true. So many people get so focused heavily on what that future state might be on be in that ideal state for them. And they, they don't realize that when they get derailed, um, that those types of things are going to happen and you got to put yourself back on the track and get going again because that's yeah. that goes back to that continuous improvement. You've got to constantly reassess yourself. You got to step back and realize, okay, this is the new current state. Where am I at right now? What happened along the way that got me where I'm at? Okay, I need to refocus. Maybe there was something that happened that I wasn't either skilled in, knowledgeable about. What did I learn from this? Kind of do a quick lessons learned. Get yourself back on track and refocus and go back out there and redefine what that new ideal state is try to maintain some type of balance here but continuously improve upon what you're doing you know mentally physically whatever the case may be 
constantly improve. And yeah, and it's okay. Like I think it's a like I told you, I, was, I read that or I listened to that book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, just for our PG listeners or G listeners. But like one thing that he said in there is like, yeah, <laughs> Brian, um, one thing that he said in the book was that, you know, bad things in life will happen and you don't have to be like, oh, I'm Mr. Positive, Mr. Cheerleader. Like this is like if I just like go out and have this positive outlook and everything on life and everything's going to be great. That's not reality. Like that's not how life happens. Like it's okay to get pissed off about things. It's okay to think like you're, like you said, Robert, like your whole plan is derailed and just, but the biggest thing that you have to focus on is that you're going to fix it, that there's a plan in place to fix it and to get you back on track. And this just isn't with negative things as, as well. This is also with positive things in your life, possibly like having children or changing a job or PCSing. So, Kat, I really do like what you started here. And it's simply just the idea of of finding balance in the unexpected. And I think, you know, as we are in society today, unexpected things are largely becoming more apparent in tragic ways. Um, Just, you know, encouragement to the listener. Um, just live a principle-driven life, find balance where you are now, and see how that looks like um, across other spectrums without without having to live it um, yet. But if it does happen, you're you're prepared, you're reflective, and and uh, yeah, you listen to mentors for military and got some great advice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at mentors the number four mil and please subscribe to our podcast it's free and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show we have several options depending upon your device and we're at itunes soundcloud at stitcher and at TuneIn radio hey everyone robert here i love supporting veteran owned companies and mentors for military recently partnered with skeleton optics to offer a 10 percent discount to our listeners that's right 10 percent These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code MENTORSFORMIL or MENTORS4MIL at SkeletonOptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.